I'm excited to see what they do when uh, when the real season starts. Um, that's the end of our first segment of games. Where better to start the second segment than the Broncos stopping the, the Minnesota bandwagon column? The Minnesota had the longest active streak in the league. That accolade now belongs to the uh, Broncos, who have the longest active win streak. Um, is Denver actually sneaky good? You don't want to admit uh, it, but they are. I... I... I don't like it's an interesting one. Given where the team were and they were sitting one and five, and some of the performances, uh, they have done a, a very good job of turning it around. Now, I, I will say that a huge, you know, a significant amount of this is down. The wins are down to the turnovers, right? Broncos uh, have won the, the turnover battle. Uh, and it's a ridiculous amount over the past few games. I think it's 12 turnovers in, in the last three three or four. And I read that the, the next team uh, was the Steelers. So it's 11 for the, the Broncos. It was six for the Steelers. So they're almost double. Now, some of that is has been um, the way in which kind of the, the defense has gone out um, and, and played. Um, but they're... How sustainable is this way of playing, right? To win games by a point, by two points, uh, you know, to get the, the bounce of the, the ball. Um, but I, I do think it is the way they kind of have to play with Russ at the moment. Um, and what you're seeing is he's playing on a very short leash for the most part until they get into the red zone and then they're prepared to allow him to to take chances. Uh, you know, it's, it is a huge, huge turnaround. Um but at the at the same time, the biggest couple of games I think are coming up in with the Browns because that would be very interesting to see how Russ and the Broncos offense do against that defense, and then that game against the the Texans on the road in Houston against a very good Texans team. The thing about the Broncos, I will say, Connor, just finally uh, for for now, is that they have the destiny within their own hands because they have so many FC games. Right. If they were to get a win against the, the Browns, you know, they, that's a, a huge kind of step up for, for them in search of that wild card spot. Same with the Texans. But there will be some step ups along the way. You got to, to go on the road to the Lions as well. We'll see. Now, that Peloton in the AFC is very tightly bunched. I know we were talking about it last week, but there's so many teams around the 5 6 win mark. You got the Bills up and down, you got the Texans in contention. You know, it, it, it's it's really getting packed in there. And as you say, other teams are going to slip as well. So we, we'll, we'll see what happens. But it's, it's, it's interesting to watch. Also, I have to say, um, all the headlines for the last couple of weeks rightly going to the likes of C.D. Lau and A.J. Brown. But Cortland Sutton, while the numbers don't necessarily show it, has been out of his mind. Some of the catches he's made over the last couple of weeks have been just as good as you'll see anywhere, anytime. He's, he's been a real stud for, for, for Denver the past couple of weeks. And um, Brian, it stopped the... The, the Dobbs magic, you know, I think, again, another game that we'd all called. We, we saw it kind of running out of the, the Dobbs wand, running out of a little bit of magic power this week, and and so it proved. But um, but again, you know, Minnesota, like last season, or sorry, the opposite to last season, they're losing a lot of these tight games, the ones that fell for them last year, not going their way this time around. Yeah, I certainly think they'll look at this game and feel it was one that got away. They held the ball for 37 minutes offensively throughout the course of the game. They did a number on the... The Broncos run game for Irish Paris. They were running the ball very effectively. And it's like the Broncos find ways to navigate a way to keep themselves in the game. Not to jump away from the bike. But Sean Payton, for me, is kind of recognizing the team, which he has now. I think it takes time to transition into. Like, I think he understands we don't have a team that can go blow for blow and shoot out here. But what we do have is a team that can 
with our defence, keep us in games and put ourselves in a position, come fourth quarter, step up and make big plays and win the games. I mean, some of the fans, Colin, we didn't even get a chance to be, but some of the fans were booing when they kicked that field goal early on in the game because it was a short fourth down play and they were hoping they were away for it. But Sean Payton recognised points are a premium in this type of game. We'll take the three points and come the fourth quarter, I'd feel if we continue to take the points where they're available, we we have a chance to be in this game and win it. And ultimately, that's how it played out. Because if you look at the stats the following morning, it was very, for large parts, it was one-sided towards the Vikings. But turnovers are key, obviously, as Colin rightly called out. But he's recognised we don't have the Russell Wilson involved. It's not shootout territory time. Credit where credit's due is Russell Wilson finally recognising that Russell Wilson isn't the Russell Wilson of old. Like he's now the highest paid game manager in, in the NFL. Uh, but he's sticking to the script. He's doing what he's been told to do, which is the reason why he got shipped out of Seattle because he wouldn't um, stick to Pete Carroll's script. But he se- finally seems to be listening to Sean Payton, and everyone's benefiting from it. I kind of had smear, so I don't know if you, if you agree that like their 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 best receiver on Sunday night was their running back. You know, so it's efficient game management type style for Niners press. Not not all the time because there was particular plays. Like there was a few things on Twitter yesterday where you could actually watch. That particular last drive and some of the throws, obviously, he had to do them because of the crucial points in the game. We're a bit beyond what we had done for large parts of the game, but by and large, I think we are seeing it kind of we're evolving into a different type of Russell Wilson. But I think he recognizes as well if he, he wants to win, and ultimately, if he wants to win, he has to play to show what Sean Payton wants from him. Right now, it's working, and it's it might work again on Sunday against the Browns, who will have a, a rookie quarterback and obviously our defense. And, and Vance Joseph will love to put a plan around him for the, for the Vikings. I felt sorry for them in a way because I felt it was one that they would look at and it got away from them. And if they had won that, they really could have been in the driving seat for the playoffs, for in particular the World Cards. Brian, just stick with it there because the, the Giants had a red-letter day over oh. the weekend as well. Um, Tommy DeVito dropping dimes. Uh, the Crazy. Dropping the ball and, uh, and it all worked out. Yeah, Tommy DeVito had a... Really good game. You've sacked first, eight first times. Time, yeah, I was just going to say, first time in Giants history that a quarterback has been sacked eight or more times and won the game. Yeah, the passing Pizan, as they're called him in New Jersey over the course of the last 24 Pizan, hours. Pizan, you got it. Pizan, sir, yeah. But he had some, like, 246 yards, three touchdowns. I would say a lot of the, the uh, throws, he, there was an abundance of space for a lot of Giants players on Sunday. The defensive scheme called by um, commanders was a bit awful. They were all overshopping. Del Rio just didn't seem to be able to navigate against particular plays. And Saquon Barkley obviously went off in a big game, but I was kind of annoyed with myself that I did pick the Commanders despite the uh, quarterback situation because I said, as we were discussing this game, Commanders don't beat the Giants. It's the one thing year after year. I think they've beaten them twice in the last eight years. You said that. The Giants have their number. They had one of 15 uh, conversions on third down in the game in, in Giants Stadium. In, sorry, in MetLife. And they had six turnovers on Sunday. And again, they did exactly what they did in the first game in terms of going for throat, going after the quarterback. And they didn't do anything. I thought the commanders would have looked at the previous game in terms of what we did wrong and addressed that on Sunday. Because a lot of the Giants' defensive players are still there. Like, despite what we said, I said out today, I expected a strong defensive rebound off the Cowboys game. In a strange way, it's people are already on Sunday reaching out to me saying, you don't want them to win in that game. But I do want them to win that game because what's the point of being a fan if you don't want your team to win? Like, that's what it's all about. Is so there you go. And I think they'll win on Sunday. They play the Patriots on Sunday. Bear in mind their situation. Giants are at home. I think the Giants will come out and win again. Tom, they won that game, um, but it, it was a strange one. Like it, there, there's six takeaways um, 
a lot of them equally as much the commander's fault as as down to any great defending. You know, a fumbled kickoff return, two terrible fumbles. Um, th- there was a lot going on, a lot going wrong from a commander's perspective. At one stage, I think, was it the, until the last play of the third quarter, the, the Giants had zero rushing yards. Then Saquon Barkley finally breaks off a big one and, and, and they start to get some 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 traction on the ground. But you're not going to win games that way. Um, but you will win games if you have the sort of defense that the Giants have. Yeah, and um, I, well, especially when you're going up against uh, the O-line that the commanders have. One thing I will raise, um, and Brian probably won't like it, but given what we saw Tommy DeVito do, and given the fact that he threw for three touchdowns, are there, and given that we haven't seen Daniel Jones do that, again, are there not serious questions? And given that we just talked about Barkley and how important Barkley is, are there not serious, serious questions for the Giants to answer about why they made the decision to give the contract to Daniel Jones and to franchise tag Saquon Barkley? Because, again, we saw Tommy DeVito in three weeks has taken more strides than Daniel Jones has done in terms of passing ability. And yes, Daniel Jones' running game elevates uh, his play somewhat. But, you know, you can't, like, look at, say, what Daniel Jones and his throwing ability, like, given what what Tommy DeVito has done, like, if you said, and yes, probably, I I would say, probably 80% of Giants fans would still say Daniel Jones. But realistically, like, how much of a difference is there um, be, between them, like this is the the pro the the problem that the Giants are, are going to find themselves in because you know they could still end up with this this high draft pick and ultimately you know they're probably just going to have to sit Daniel Jones and his agent ain't going to be too happy with that. But the reality is is that like that they'll that's what's going to happen. But you name checked Howie Roseman earlier. I mean this goes. Back to there's echoes there. The decision that they made with with Carson Wentz, granted he he wasn't on the the big money, but when you don't have the guy, you don't have the guy, and you got to move on to the next guy. Yeah, yeah, no, look, I, and and if you, it's I suppose recognizing your mistake and rectifying it. And if the Giants, the Giants may they they may pick like a bit like the San Antonio Spurs in basketball, who kind of pick the perfect time to tank, and they always seem to acquire uh, the right pick. Maybe the Giants are are picking the the perfect season to have a bad year, um. So they'll have their moments to keep fans happy, but ultimately, if they end up with a top uh, QB, they're taking up, and then they'll worry about Jones's contract afterwards. Brian, let's talk about um. We did flag it in the uh, in, in the graphic for the show and put it on social media, so we have to. The Lions' late late comeback is is one way to look at it. Obviously, I have a slightly different perspective from from a Bears side of things, but. Now, a lot of things going wrong for Detroit over the weekend, but they got it out. Um, a 12-point deficit over the last four minutes, which is no mean feat. And, you know, Jared Goff, having looked awful for three and a half quarters, showed up when they, when they needed him to most. This is a Lions team that, you know, a lot of people feel very positive towards and really want to see Detroit do well, given the history that they've had, given the Motor City crying out for success, a great fan base, you know, a lot of people, Dan Campbell puts smiles on their faces and, you know, they, they, they enjoy watching this Lions team, you know, even rival fans in the, in the NFC North, let's, uh, let's, let's admit it. Don't, don't mind seeing the Lions do well. It certainly beats the Packers beating you up every year, twice a season. But, um, 
a really good win for them over the weekend and, and, and puts them in contention. We talked about the Eagles, but the Lions aren't out of that number one seed battle just yet. No, they they couldn't have played any worse. They were quite bored throughout the course of the game. It was a mistake-riddled game, both of me. Quarterback standpoint, from special teams, defensively with missed tackles, not getting the fields, not getting the pressure on fields, as we've seen recently with has been so aggressive and getting to the quarterback like the previous week and so far and obviously various games. But yet they found a way to stay in it and I would put it out of it down to the Bears' mismanagers of the situation towards the end because the Bears go up 26-14 with four minutes, just over four minutes to go and Justin Fields for 52 minutes of the game has come back off injury and had a fantastic game and we said last week around assessing these seven games or eight games and how does a Bears fan and that Bears organization make a decision whether he's the long-term solution? We said he needs to have kind of a standout game where he goes in and beats a marquee team. And right now, the Lions could be deemed to be a marquee game. And God, I know we had a few text messages. Obviously, you were at the Steelers event and we were back and forth. But I love it. For Lions fans, it just looked like they couldn't stop. They couldn't find ways to slow him down. His running was so effective. It looked like the Justin Fields we were seeing for Lions fans of, of last season. But we touched on it. My concern is around when the game speeds up in the fourth corner, can he close at the game? But he wasn't allowed to close at the game because if you look at the numbers, yeah. they took it out of his hands and they went to a run game. 2.53 left on the clock. The Bears run three plays, two for Herbert and an incomplete pass. And, it's, and they give them the ball back with 2.23. Essentially, ran no time off the clock. You said it there. They went run, run, pass on that drive. And then, you know, Tyler Scott misjudges the flight of a perfectly thrown ball in the air. You know, doesn't even do a Valdez scantily because he doesn't get there. And, um, you know, it's funny because on TV, it looks like Justin Fields overthrew him. He absolutely didn't. He put the ball exactly where it needed to be. Tyler Scott was the first person to say it after the game. I hesitated. I misjudged the flight of the ball. I should have kept going. And, and he would have had a touchdown. And, and, and that would have been game over. But they took the ball out of Fields' hands. Like, what, what did Iberflus coach like a coach who's lost too many games? He's gun shy. You know, he's the exact opposite of what, you know, we talked about Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell goes for those all the time. He went for them all the time. It's one of the reasons why people love, and he's not stupid about it either. It's not kind of casino stuff. Most of the time, what Dan Campbell does is exactly what the analytics would tell you to do. Like he adds, the Bears lost 10 points of expected win percentage by kicking the field goals. Three of those four field goals were, 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 were the wrong decision to take, particularly the one on fourth and one. You know, you have a quarterback who's run for over 100 yards, who's, you know, passed the ball extremely well, been, been cutting up the Lions defense all day long, um, and and you decide to kick a field goal rather than go for it on fourth and one when you absolutely could have iced the game. Like, so your point on Brian uh, on Fields, Brian, and you've, you've said it, you're looking for consistency. Well, to be fair to him, if you're looking back over the last couple of games, should have beaten the Broncos. It's no fault of his own that they didn't win that game. Um, beat the Commanders well, gets injured against the Vikings, and should have beaten one of the, one of the best teams in, in, in the NFL. And, you know, I'm starting to think now Okay, there's seven games left, uh, sorry, six games left for the Bears. There's some winnable ones in there, you know. They, they should be looking to beat the Packers. They could beat the Vikings. You know, they, they, they'll fancy themselves at home against the Lions to try and get vengeance for that game. You know, it's not necessarily one that they'll be favourites in. And they got the Cardinals as well. If over that six games, you see this type of performance for Justin Fields, if you see three or four wins over that stretch, I think you've got your guy. I think you've, you've, got, you've seen enough to, to justify your faith in him. The, the head coach... I think should be on his way out at the end of the season. I think you know that 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 should be the last straw for me. Uh, but Colin, just again, a, sorry, just two two quick points on this. Sorry, Colin, we're talking about the coaching situation, and we're talking about a situation in football with Sean Payton taking field goals. 
there's a time in the game where you know it's the right time to go for a form one. And that form one with four minutes to go was the right time because they couldn't stop them. And then they went around the clock down even further. And then essentially, probably, then you kicked the field goal. But you could have taken another minute and a half off the clock. And then I read another report because the last drive in particular where the Lions literally ran down the cut of the Bears' defence with Montgomery and Gibbs. They said, oh, well, the Bears' defence was getting tired. The Bears' defence was on the field for 19 minutes and 26 seconds throughout the entirety of that game. They literally controlled it offensively. So there's no way they were tired. They just, for me, they just down tools essentially towards the end. But again, that's probably the frustration of a defence who've seen the situation to win the game on the previous joint for the offence I didn't take. Brian, again, from, from a Lions perspective, you know, it, there's lots of reasons to be positive in Motor City and Brian touched on it there. David Montgomery, who they acquired in free agency from the Bears, turns out to have been the, the, the right man to fill that berth in the backfield. They cleaned out their backfield as we talked about last week. Jamir Gibbs and, and, and David Montgomery doing it for them. Yeah, like we touched on it. Yeah, so there was, there was a team, again, I touched on it last Adam Rank, um, and Colin was involved in that interview where Adam Rank said people are, are I suppose, get a little bit agitated by Williams walking away from the Lions and free agents and going to the Saints, but they've, they've picked the right guy. They brought in Montgomery. We're going to see the Montgomery that the Bears really haven't utilised over the course of the last three years. It's like, they gives us really, Jordan, it would be a fantastic, you know, pick. People were kind of, as we said last week, questioning that pick such high up in the draft, but he really is such a complimentary player and it eases the pressure on Goff when you've got those two players in the We'll see them again on Thursday night in Thanksgiving, how effective they can be in their own game. Colin, one point we missed when we were talking about the Broncos, uh, Kareem Jackson, the serial offender, um, banned again. And this time, you know, it's, it's left serious egg on the face of the NFL that his previous suspension was uh, was reduced on appeal. I don't think there'll be any uh, there'll be any uh, appeal in this sentence. Well, what, what's fascinating, Connor, is that there's a, a number of people, certainly across Broncos uh, media, uh, and some of the, the players who have come out to try to defend this, which, again, to, to me is utterly ridiculous. And uh, look, um, you know, um, I, I don't know if this is where we want to get into the, the wider conversation or uh, around the, the comments about a, a former uh, superstar QB made. Um, but Kareem Jackson launched himself. Like, this is not just about getting his... Like, it do, does he make contact with the helmet being super technical? He launched himself at an, at another player. And as I pointed out on the show a couple of weeks ago, we now have over 350 examples of players with CTE. And th- that is the tip of the iceberg. Like, how many more are there they're going to, to be? So it's all very well harking back to the days um, when it was it was different, and like there might be a point that the NFL itself is being hypocritical because NFL Films constantly puts out these throwbacks and John Lynch's huge hits and Steve Atwater's huge hits, but we slightly have learned what brain injuries are are like, and repeated concussions, repeated hits to to the brain, um, cause serious um damage that cannot be repaired. So you, you can't see the weight of scientific evidence and go, ah, oh, we're going to ignore that because we loved watching the it when it was different. So you, you have to move with the times and Kareem Jackson has to learn. But this is the guy who was tweeting, you know, in during his, his time uh, when he was uh, suspended uh, just a, a few weeks back. Uh, he he was saying, uh, you know, he, he didn't seem to have learned anything. 
Um, he had tweeted, he just put us in flags and t-shirts. Uh, he said, uh, at one point, um, I played long enough and made um, a ton of money. I wouldn't care in response to uh, somebody tweeting saying, I wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos cut you. So he doesn't be, appear to be a man who is going to learn any lessons.